Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards. We're here once again in the heart of Manchester City Centre. Looking back on all the National League action, not that it was much in the North, certainly, where it was a bit of a, of a washout, it, it must be said. But uh, there was plenty of games in the National League and the National League South. And to review that with us this morning is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Dickie. And we've also got... The Hungerford Town Manager, Ian Herring. Hello, Ian. Morning, Luke. Chris Pratt joins us as well. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. It was a landmark for Ian on Saturday. We'll get more onto that later on. But we're going to start in the National League because at the top, Dickie, there was a big game, wasn't it? Bromley versus Halifax. But it was a bit one-sided in the end, a five-star performance from Bromley in the end. Yes, it was. Um, you know, first against second going into the, the fixture. And I don't think anybody would have predicted, although you might have predicted a Bromley win, I don't think anybody would have seen it coming by the, by the margin uh, by which it arrived. But um, but it did, and, and it's it's moved Bromley back to the, the top of the division. And they're, they're, they're sitting pretty. Yeah, and also, I love it when a team wins 5-0, and there's five different scores. I'm sure you can relate to this, Ian, in terms of when you win quite well and it's different member of the team scores each goals as well. It feels like more of a team effort then rather than an individual getting all the plaudits. Yeah, I think from a, it is very good from a team perspective. Um, from a manager, I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't mind who, who scores the goals so long as they win, if you like. But um, I'm sure I'm sure the pleasing thing for Bromley would have been keeping that clean sheet as well because um, being 5 nil up is very easy to sort of sort of rest on your laurels a little bit towards the end of the game so a shutout as well is exceptional it's funny I was looking at it was nil-nil at half time I just imagine what what it was like in the Halifax dressing room at half time is you know okay lads we've, we've done okay we've kept them to, to nil-nil at half time then we'll you know let's see what we can do in the second 45 and then they've been completely blown away in the second half let's see if we can keep it tight lads nick it at the end <laughs> <laughs> just the odd the odd goal in five <laughs> that must. Yeah, it was uh, look, looked like it was a tough second half for Halifax, and um, I'm sure they wanted to get out of there pretty sharpish at the end. That must drive you potty as a manager, though, Ian. You go in nil-nil at half-time away from home, and you think oh, we're doing like half the job's done here, and then within sort of 20 minutes of the second half, you're three-nil down, aren't you? And it's it's a tough to- it's a tough task, and you must be tearing your hair out. Yeah, of course. I mean, wherever you go, obviously, I'm sure Halifax have done their homework all throughout the week, worked on certain things, and it seems as though it was working very well up to half time. As soon as sort of those players cross the line to that game, there's very little a manager can do other than with his substitutions. I'm sure he was trying his hardest to get them back into the game. Um, but to go three 0 down in the second half with so little time to go as well, it, it's um, it's a tough ta- a tough ask, and I'm sure he'll be picking the bones out of that with uh, how and where it went wrong. Moving up into second place were Yeovil Dickey and. Um I know we mentioned about Charlie, he kept five clean sheets in a row up until Saturday and th- the problem is scoring at goals at the minute. They did score yesterday but Yeovil scored two through Matt Worthington and then that man Reese Murphy scoring another goal as well. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think that's something like uh, Yeovil's eighth win in their last ten. So, you know, they, they've lost a couple recently but, but their form's um, very good and, and, I mean, I just took... took I was thinking before we came on out this morning about we'll get on to Notts County in a little while, I'm sure. But, you know, we, we've had this in recent seasons of the, of the two teams that come down from the EFL having some, 
you know, difficulty in adjusting. Well, Yeovil look like they're booking that trend a little bit. They're second. And, you know, I would think they'd be feeling, you know, reasonably confident about their chances of getting an immediate return. Yeah, that barking kid, Ian's uh, walking his dog while he speaks to us. So that's why you can hear the barking in the background as well. He's obviously home now. He's happy to be home, clearly. <laughs> I saw Yeovil yesterday. You know, they're flying. They're doing really well this season. And I can see why. The game against Chorley, it was... Um, Chorley probably dominated possession for a large part, certainly in the second half, but showed little threat. And it was it was no surprise, really, when uh, Reese Murphy popped up with a cracking diving header, by the way into the bottom corner and they, they nicked um, they nicked three points and if they if they continue doing that they'll, they'll be alright they've got goals in them I was really impressed with um, Courtney Duffus, uh, Duffus actually he was uh, he did get taken off he, he got substituted but he leads the line fantastically well for them with uh, Rhys Murphy and um I think, yeah, I think they could be dangerous. Harry got moved up into fourth position. It was a really, really tight game uh, before Jack Emmett crashed home the winner in stoppage time. It left Rob heartbroken, but he managed to pick himself up off the floor and talk to a delighted Harrogate Town manager, Simon Weaver, after the game. Simon, last season shots came here and started brightly, but you turned them over in the end 4-1. Today it was a very different proposition. You had to be very patient. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was a difficult game. Uh, I don't think we were great, but I think a lot of that was down to their game plan being strong and and, and defending in numbers and, and trying to counter-attack against us. And it, it made, for from our perspective, a frustrating game, but it was obviously a detailed plan that was working well for them and it reduced us to very few chances because they defended really well and it was an awkward game for us but mm. in those circumstances it's just a bit of a relief and a, a great feeling to get a late winner One of the reasons we love football agony and ecstasy Tra- tragic for all the shot defended so well for long mm. periods but relief all round here at the CNG and uh, you don't just keep the unbeaten run going but three more precious points and getting you right up to those playoff well, positions uh, Yeah absolutely um, bagging the three points is the all important thing today but we like to do it in the right you know in, in the right way we didn't we didn't perform to our full potential today but like I say it's it's, it's a decent habit to get into um, winning the gritty way sometimes and um, but uh, against difficult opposition that uh, I think um, you know they perform well you know and it's not been condescending that you know it, it could have gone either way Final question, just a quick one. How difficult is it, Simon, to put nine game unbeaten run together in this crazy league? Yeah, well, it is a crazy league, and it's just, you know, from having a quite a fragile um, setup at the time in the first few weeks, things weren't going again. Things were going against us and and not for us, and. Um, we weren't in control of all those variables, you know, decisions, injuries, suspensions. But the lads have held their nerve and full credit. You know, we've got a tight-knit bunch that did us proud last season and we've added to it with good characters. And so they've come out of a difficult spell, probably a stronger bunch. And, um, and yeah, it is difficult to, to put back-to-back results, but obviously nine on the bounce is um, testament to the, to the characters in there. Always speak to you again when you come down to the EBB. Good luck in the FA Cup. Very much. That was Harrogate Town manager Simon Weaver and Chris. They've had a really good sort of month or so, haven't they? They were down sort of in the bottom half of the table, and we thought, are they going to replicate what they did last year? But they're in a really good place at the minute, aren't they? Fourth position in the table. They're on a cracking run of form. They really are. I mean, I saw them earlier in the season against Stockport County, and whilst they won that game. They didn't look like the Harrogate that they'd look like last season. But since then, they've put an absolutely cracking run of form together. Is that nine unbeaten, I think? Something like that. Um, and um, oh, the, 
they've got the knack of winning games, haven't they? What was it? The first minute of injury time yesterday, and um, cracking stuff up there. And one thing that um, I think they're benefiting from, and they, they will benefit from as the season goes on, is the pitch up there because they can play, you know, whatever the weather. And um, that proved yesterday, where a lot of clubs were playing on heavy pitches and uh, slipping around and everything. There were there were no problems up there. No, they weren't. And uh, the benefits once again of having a 4G pitch. Fifth place, Barrow. They missed an opportunity to go up into fourth position. They lost 4-2 down at Torquay. Torquay uh, on a really good run of form, aren't they, Ian? Uh, Gary Johnson's doing a fantastic job down there. Yeah, he's a very good manager, obviously. His, his, his record speaks for himself. Uh, and it's a place to go, Torquay. Not many go there and win. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a long trip for Barrow. And, um, and like I say, it, it is a tough place, Torquay. And... and um, they are by far the best team in our league after he took over last season and um, they've continued that run of form and I'm sure they'll be there or thereabouts towards the end of the season and in the playoff mix. I just got that then because uh, a certain manager went there and won last year, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> so Taki, they're on the uh, the edge of the playoff picture. Woking, they're still in sixth. They had a one-one draw with Eastleigh. There's been some sort of angst around the, the new stadium. There's some doubt over the new stadium and the finances and things like that. They had a one-one draw with Eastleigh on Saturday. Eastleigh have had a bit of a, a rough week. It was fair to say they had a, a break in at the ground, which you've probably seen on social media, and the game was delayed by 15 minutes yesterday due to a serious looking injury to defender Rob Atkinson. Thankfully, Eastleaf tweeted that he is okay and they did salvage a point in the lengthy injury time that went on. We said, Chris, about there was a lot of goals in injury time again in the National League on Saturday and, and that was one of them. It was, wasn't it? And uh, Woking are this season's Ebsfleet, aren't they, I think? Whereas Ebsfleet were the draw specialist last season. Woking have, uh, have turned into the draw specialist this season. They just keep keep on getting them points get them on your coupon <laughs> if you still do the pools but uh, yeah I mean they haven't won since um, I think the 31st of August against um, against Barrow now so I think whilst the point you know a point against Eastleigh isn't a bad result and certainly they got that uh, well <laughs> there was two late goals I hope no one left early in that game um, they'll be they'll be disappointed that they couldn't hang on for the three points. I think another team you saw last year, Ian Woken, and uh, are you surprised at how well they're doing as well, or is it not a massive surprise to you? No, no, not really. Um, he's a very astute manager, Delph. They, they're a very functional side. Um, he sets them up well. They're quite organised, and, and they are they are a hard team to play against. Um, they started the season off flying, obviously the, the momentum of coming up in the playoffs, and they've just dipped away a little bit. But um, but they'll they'll continue to pick up points, and, and with the new playoff structure going down to seventh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're if they're in them again this year. Just outside the playoffs are Notts County. Uh, they lost one nil in a, a feisty local derby against Chesterfield. A really good win for Chesterfield, Chris, who are picking up a bit of form under John Sheridan, but uh, a missed opportunity for Notts County to get into that playoff places. But like Dickie mentioned earlier, both of the ex-football league clubs who got relegated are, are making a good fist of it this year. Yeah, I think, um, look, I think there's no need to panic. Um, the, the, the table is so congested at the moment. From, from Harrogate in fourth down to Stockport in 17th, there's only um, five points. So it's uh, there's no worries at the moment. I would say Notts County, probably considering the record of other teams that have gone down, won't be too disappointed with where they are at the moment. They're ready to strike. They're sort of uh, 
they're just sit, hanging around in the peloton if you like to yeah. use a cycling analogy <laughs> um, ready to go and um, no I think uh, I think Chesterfield well that was a you know that was a fantastic win wasn't it for Chesterfield and do you know what they were on telly as well so whilst it was a scrappy affair you know they've showcased to the nation that they're not going to um, they're not just going to lie down they're not going to be um, beating around the, the relegation places this season and a couple of more wins for them and they're back in the mix as well Just on Notts County uh, Neil Hardley basically said that they didn't get carried away when they are in 5th position so they're not going to get downhearted now that they're down to 8th Another defeat for Solihull Moors as well a bit of a surprise against a team who I know you're impressed with Chris Maidenhead they're doing really well again this year in 15th certainly on the budget that they'll have compared to some other teams but Solihull after a decent recent run uh, as I say lost 1-0 down at, at York Road yesterday Yes um, I'm surprised by this actually because um, again Solihull we, we saw Woking we saw Solihull in the early stage of the season Solihull looked really strong and they looked like they had a have a really strong squad. Look, I don't think that they're going to uh, completely drop out of it again with the with the congestion in the league table. We need to get Paul McCallum firing again. I think because you know he was a he was a gem last season, wasn't he? And um, yeah, they need to get him going again. And I th- again, I think they'll be all, f- all fine there. You know, Tim Flowers has got plenty of experience, and um, I expect to see them. Um, a little revival and popping up the table maybe yeah just looking towards uh, mid-table now Hartlepool are doing really well under the caretaker manager Anthony Sweeney they got a 2-0 win over Barnet on Saturday Barnet were reduced to 10 men though with Jack Taylor being sent off Dagenham and Redbridge there just behind Notts County there in the, in that position as Chris said in, in the peloton a 2-1 win over Rex a move a point of Dean Keats and it, it's not quite worked out for him yet going back there has it I know the, always, the old adage is never go back and uh, at the minute it's not working out too well is it? Oh look it's early days Luke isn't it I mean Wrexham Wrexham are a team that have had so many managers in the last few seasons they just need a little bit of stability and um you know him being one of the previous managers in the last few seasons as well, and um, I think it's a good appointment myself. I think that um, you're sort of bringing in a bit of stability because you're bringing someone who knows the club, and I think they've just got to give him time. And I know that some of the Wrexham fans don't want to hear because they've had so long in this division. I think we, uh, I think we proved the other day that they're the longest in this division, and they want to get out of it. You know, a former football league club, but there's a hell of a lot of former football league clubs in in the league now. And uh, no, look, I think uh, I think Dean Keats is a is a good addition. And um, I was going to say, I think I've been saying I expect them to climb the table for every team so far. But uh, I think Wrexham will be fine. Goal of the day certainly came from uh, Stockport County, didn't it? Frank Mulhern. Uh, if you if you haven't had a chance to see it, have a look. Just inside the Dover half, and he uh, he lobs the Dover goalkeeper, and uh, a fantastic goal from Frank Mulhern, and a, a hard earned three points there for Stockport. Yeah, Luke, I hate to correct you, but uh, it's not just goal of the day, that is it. That's going to be goal of the season. That <laughs> was some goal, what a volley. That's one of them ones that's going to turn up on the videos, isn't it, the Christmas videos. But Frank Mulhern's got that in his locker. He's just such a an unconventional striker. He hasn't had many starts recently, and I know that he's really hungry to to get them starts in. He's really hungry to, to get going, but it's just not quite um, working. Niall Bell's getting... Um, getting improved they had Joe Piggott on loan previously Adam Hamill's been tried up there in his um, in his spell but Frank Mulhern's obviously hungry and what a finish that was you won't see better than that anywhere in the world I don't think and especially with it being the winning goal as well 
Fantastic, really good stuff. Interestingly, on my uh, generic um, sport, on my generic football results app, whilst I was at the Chorley game yesterday, the score popped up and said it was an own goal. So <laughs> it, 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 it certainly wasn't one of them. But it was anything. Didn't have an air missing out in the middle. It wasn't OMG instead of OG. <laughs> I think so, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a. It couldn't be further from an own goal, really, could it? That one. Um, <laughs> Result of the day, guys. I know, obviously, Sutton are down there, but Ebbsfleet going to Sutton and winning that is a, is a fantastic result, and it's put Sutton into the bottom four now. Yeah, it's a it's a great result. Obviously, Kev Watson left us to join that to join Ebbsfleet, and um, he's in temporary charge at the moment. So I think he's he's just ended. I think it's about thirteen league games without a win, um, and also including the, the win on in the FA Cup on Tuesday. So back to back wins in a in a while, and. Um, I spoke to him this morning. He's obviously delighted. It was it was tough conditions, and, and they've scored a late winner. It wasn't pretty, but they've got the job done, and this it's lifted them off the foot of the table and dragged Sutton into it. So um, the changes Kev's made in a short space of time, I, I fully expect to see them climbing the table. What what um, what's he said about the situation at Ebbsfleet, Ian? You know, in terms of obviously financially, is it quite a difficult situation for him? Is he having to spin a few plates? <laughs> able to bring two players in on loan um, of a Katita that um, we had last year and Albie, I forget his surname from um, Charlton, so he's been able to add a couple um, he's just sort of, like I say, in temporary charge at the moment I believe and he, he, I'm sure, he'd, I know he'd love to, to be given a fair crack at the whip to, to have the job permanently and he, he's given himself every opportunity, he's, he's a good football man um, he, he plays the game in the right way if you like in the sense he wants to pass the ball and um, he's done his apprenticeship he's been an assistant manager to some very very good managers and um, and yeah like I said it, it's tough where they're down there but he's got a good group of players that the, the squad they are good footballers so if he can get his ideas across and they're clearly working for him um, then, then that will bode well and, and I'll, I'll be hoping he does get given it permanently Final final game in the National League to look at. He's filed a vital win for them in John Hills. It's two wins in two for him and he's in temporary charge at the minute. A good 2 0 win at Boreham Wood. Another fantastic goal once again this weekend, this time from Andrew Taylor, who did recently signed from Oldham, and then Dan Bradley completed the uh, the 2 0 win in the 90th minute and filed. They're, uh, they look as though they'll be in decent health for whoever comes in, which Dickie is, is rumoured to be more can manager Jim Bentley. And um, they went bottom of the Football League on Saturday. And obviously, there's been a lot of issues at Morecambe. And maybe he feels he's taken them as far as he can do and, and filed a club with a lot of ambition. Yeah, his, his name certainly has been mentioned in, in one or two circles, um, as it has been with a lot of jobs. Uh, I mean, Jim Bentley's done a fantastic job on a you know, shoestring budget at Morecambe really and to, to keep them in the, the, the football league the way he does um, has been hugely commendable if, if he if there is interest in, in Foyle if Foyle did have interest in him you know you would expect them to at least you know be interested in what they've got to say you know it's difficult when you, you're managing with, with a small amount of resources I know you can sort of like develop a, a good reputation as a firefighter and, and, and but but sometimes you must imagine you want to have a crack at, at the bigger boys with a bit more, you know, with a bit bigger budget. So if he was interested, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and obviously, he'd be going into that with the awareness that he wasn't necessarily their first choice because we know that they went after Ian Everett from Barrow initially. But you know, that's 
that's the nature of football, I think, isn't it? You know, if you think people had worries about those kind of things, they'd never take another job, I don't think. So we're going to move on now to the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Now, on Saturday in the National League North, there weren't many games. There's only three games on in total. But in midweek, there was two games. Uh, Kidderminster against Farsley, which Dickie went to. We'll hear about that shortly. But uh, me and Chris ended up going to Southport versus Hereford, which it's fair to say, Chris, was a rather interesting game, wasn't it? It was bizarre, wasn't it, Luke? Yeah. It was really, it was strange because I've got to admit, for the first 40 minutes, I was sat there thinking we've uh, we've gone to a bit of a stinker here. <laughs> um, there wasn't there wasn't really that much going on, and then all of a sudden, boom! It just uh, it just exploded, didn't it? And the main um, the main bit of controversy really was uh, was a goal that was given. And then not given. Yeah. It was, uh, we talk about uh, you know there's loads of controversies in the Premier League with VAR and all that sort of stuff yesterday. Well, we didn't have VAR at, uh, at Southport, but uh, I think I believe that the referee had has have um, those little straps that buzz on the uh, on their arms these days. I don't know. You might be able to confirm that whether they do that in the South as well. Yeah, I don't know they that, do. Yeah, and his his, his little uh, wristband I think was buzzing, but he let play go on. Uh, um, a goal was scored. Um, I forget who scored it, Luke. It was, Do you remember? It was Stephen Dawson. Was, um, Stephen Dawson making his debut for Hereford. He, uh, he drilled it into the bottom corner. They ran away celebrating, didn't it, to the dugout. Next minute, ref goes over to the linesman. They have a chat and he disallows it for... Well, we still don't know, do we? I don't think... No, no one knows. It was uh, it was a really odd one. And uh, and all those, all those little chats, and there was chats with the dugout, there was chats with the, the players, there was chats with everyone. I did about eight minutes to the first half in, in the end, and uh, no one really knew what was going on. I don't think either manager knew why the goal was disallowed, and um, but it was, and it ended up being a free kick the, the other way on uh, around about the halfway line, so there was a lot of confusion. And uh, one thing that was notable, and you'll hear me um, talking to um, Liam Watson about this, was what ended up being the winning goal by Devon Green, who was bought on as a substitute. Absolute live wire, cut past about five people and then fired fired home and um, and Southport got the three points. Yeah, just to just to obviously add on to what Chris said about um the eight minutes of stoppage time. In that in that time Hereford were given a penalty which didn't look a penalty either, was it Chris? <laughs> oh that's right, yeah. You got yeah that was just uh, just before half time. Yeah, I think that was a case of the referee evening things up. As Chris said he caught up William Watson after the game to uh to chat about all the incidents and uh, and that goal. That was a crazy game, a crazy end of the first half, wasn't it, Liam? Yeah, it it was became ludicrous, didn't it, at, at one stage? And and I just said there on, on my interview with the club, I said the referee is one of the best, the better ones. Uh, he's made an unbelievably mad decision in the build-up. Russell Benjamin's gone down with a head injury, and we know the rules. The player's safety comes first, and every other time tonight he did. I said, but for that one particular reason, he didn't. He's actually ran past Russell. The, the linesman's beeping him mm. so he knows something's gone on mm. he has to stop the game mm. but he doesn't mm. and then they've scored a goal horrific goalkeeping error but they've scored a goal and then for some unknown reason it's, it's been brought back now someone's saying for handball I couldn't tell you it didn't look handball <laughs> but then you know a couple of minutes later he's eamed up by giving a penalty which is never a penalty everyone well, I think Russell Slade you know A is a good football man he's an honest man he's come up he's apologised but I think if the referee does the right thing stops the game head injury you don't have any of that mm. and then obviously they've scored the pen 
then they've got another pen. Mm. I'm no, no complaints about the other pen, by the way. Mm. But then we've managed to come back. We scored two wonderful goals, and we started the game as if we were going to walk all over the you know, first 25 minutes. But you know, they've got a lot of experienced players, haven't they? And uh, they probably managed the game better than we did, even though we've ended up winning it. No, it was a bit of a masterstroke bringing Devan Green on. What a goal! I think that's probably the best goal I've seen all season. Yeah, in reality, I said he's got that about him, but you know he doesn't do it often enough. And all I ever ask is people to be direct. You know, he's he's come out the scene from Saturday because young Connor, young Connor's direct, and he, you know, I think he's had a that's his you know, first home start, I think, and you know, and he just does what he asks. He said, "Go and get it, people." And if he loses it, no problem. I'm not. I'll never have a going from losing it. I'll have a going from not having a go at it, and that's why he's in the team. So whether Devan's got a bit of a cob on and, and has come on, and that's fair enough. It, you know, it, I don't mind anyone having a cob on and coming on and scoring a goal. And if, the, if it's to prove one to me, great. Now I don't know whether you've seen the table, but you're back up to six. Uh, you pleased with that? Are you gonna, uh, what's the aim for for the rest of the season? Well, I, I, we never got going last year till Christmas time. We're massively under the radar, which, which is good. Last year we were massively in the spotlight for, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, we come through that, and then we got going, and we went on a fabulous run. I think it was 20 odd games, and we lost a couple of games. And you know, we needed that run, by the way, because what we'd done in the first third of the season was horrific. And I just think where we are, I think there's more to come from us. Definitely more to come. The the, the bench is threadbare. Uh, we we have got injuries, but you know, we've got one or two special players as well who who can win you the game. Mm. Our record in terms of keeping clean sheets has been really good this season. So that's six six at home. Six clean sheets at home, so which, which is good. Uh, our home form's been particularly good. You know, if you look, our last two home games in the league have been Brackley and Hereford. They're both in the playoff places when we play them, so we beat them. Um, we go to Bradford, which is a tough, tough game. It's not Bradford two weeks ago. Mark Bauer's gone in there, and he's a good manager. He knows the score. He's brought in players who know the level. He, he will have organised them, so it'll be a much tighter game than than it would have been a couple of weeks ago. And that was Liam Watson, and it was a pretty, as I said, because a pretty crazy evening, and uh, we did well to get only get five minutes out of that in the end because uh, we could have chatted to Liam Watson for about fifteen minutes about that game, couldn't we? In the end, I think he would have been <laughs> happy to as well. <laughs> but Ian, just um, I know you've tweeted a lot about respect for referees and how you want to improve. Uh, your sort of uh, conduct on the sideline and your team's conduct, but when the decision's like that, I know you mentioned the rugby as well on Saturday, how, how the officials and players respect each other. When you get a decision like that, and it, and it is infuriating, is it is it hard to kind of keep a lid on it at times? Um, by the sounds of that decision, then, then yeah, it would be. Um, but hey, if, 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 if the decision is made with respect towards officials, etc., it's, it's, it's a big can of worms to, to, to open, and it's a very big subject, and and edu- education, I think, is key from an early early age. Um, but yeah, it, I'm doing a lot of work um, away from the club in my own personal time about um, how my conduct on the side and, and the words I use and the language I use can can have an impact on on the group that I'm um, the group that I'm managing. So um, yeah, I think I think uh, everyone's different, aren't they? But I think a, a manager who's more calm, more relaxed on the sideline, I think to me it seems as though he's probably prepared his team a little bit better. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm personally always looking to improve and, and, and improve the conduct of the players as well. 
Um, respect does work both ways and, and the, the thing that I think is fantastic with the rugby is that it's just a communication. Um, every, everyone's completely clear um, what, what, what what the offence is given for, etc. And, and, but with that, even if there's disagreement, there's no argument with it. So um, I think, yeah, we can learn a lot from rugby. Ian, I think that is absolutely brilliant. And if it, I'm just going to go a little bit off piece at the minute, but I'm involved in um, kids' football coaching and uh, and things yeah. like that. And and some of the some of the lads that are refereeing in the leagues up here, so that you get 14, 15 year old lads um, doing the um, doing the games. You know, turning up on a day like yesterday when uh, I don't know what it was like down south, but it just didn't stop raining up here, and they're out there doing four matches. And you've got grown men, other coaches, other parents on the sidelines shouting at these lads every time there's a, you know, a dubious decision or, or something like that. And I sit there and I think, we've got to protect our game. There will be no referees left, you know, <laughs> if um, um, if it carries on like this. Hundred percent agree. I know uh, Breast Support UK do a lot of fantastic work, and and there's a lot there's a lot of negativity, unfortunately, in this world. And there's obviously been a lot about the racism issue. Um, but but yeah, abuse abuse towards officials is something that, that is unacceptable in any circumstance. And like I said, education is key. And unfortunately, if our if our youngsters up and down the country are involved in games where parents are abusing officials, then then what chance have our youngsters got? I know we've had um, we've had Scott Davis on last year, and he wrote a really good piece in an only paper last season about respecting officials. And do you think managers and players? use it as an easy excuse to get at referees if they're having a bad time or they've made a bad mistake almost trying to cover up their own sort of errors in a way uh, possibly I can only speak from my experience um, no matter how frustrated with an official you may be or one specific decision uh, I'm pretty sure 99.9% of the time one specific or two specific decisions aren't reasons why you lose a game of football and it would generally be down to, to the opposition being better than you or, or your team as a group or individuals making mistakes, so um, yeah, I think I think there's a there's an easy way. Um, some some managers might find it easy to vent their frustration and have a bit of a release by having a go at a referee, shall we say? Um, and it's something that I'm open and honest enough to admit that I've done previously. And like I say, we're we're, we're always learning, and it's something that I'm actively trying to improve myself. Is that more as well from a, a hunger of a town point of view, in that you you want to encourage families and kids to come down, and, and obviously to see you ranting and raving, you'll you'll be driving them away in a, in a way, won't you? Yeah, I think since um, I've been fortunate enough to have our child, it's it's um, it's given me a whole new perspective on things. And and when I played the game, I, I, I'm pretty sure you speak to any referee that's managed managed me, they they wouldn't have had a nice time, and it's not something. It's not something that I'm proud of, and it's not something. It's not a way I want to conduct myself. And and whether whether that's to attract or to stop fans from leaving or whatever, whatever that if if that comes along with that, um, we get more supporters because of my conduct on the side. Then great, but essentially, it's um, it, you, you, you've got to treat people how you want to be treated. My son coming into this world, I don't I don't want him to receive abuse. So you, you, I think you've got to lead by example. Do you stress that to your players? And I presume, in terms of like discipline, you, you, you kind of now you've got this new outlook. You, you, you stress that to your players, and you won't bring in a player who you know is going to get you fifteen yard cards a season because he's not one. He's no good. She's sat in the stand, and two, it sets a bad example. Hundred um, percent. We're, we're last week the discipline table come out, and we we were top of that discipline table. Some people may look at that and think we need to be nastier to get ourselves up the table, but um, but no, it's something that I preach to the players about not getting involved with the ref. 
don't get involved with the opposition, just concentrate on yourself. As soon as that frustration sets in, whether it be an opposition player, the officials or, or other teammates, or if you get frustrated with yourself, as soon as frustration sets in, it has, an, it has a negative impact on your game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that, that I preach, and, and hey, they've got, to, they've got to pay their fines for their bookings as well. So, <laughs> uh, it's, a benefit, it's a benefit for all of them if they don't get booked. Oh yeah, well, we know what football's are like, yeah, they'll definitely keep it zipped now anyway. The other game in the National League North was a game you were at, Dickie, uh, so we had the National League North covered on, on the midweek, and it was Kidderminster against Farsley. Yeah, I did, I popped down to Tragborough on Tuesday night, um, Kidderminster's first game in three and a half weeks, so it was going to be interesting to see how they responded after that lengthy layoff, and it's their first game with uh, new ownership of the club as well, with Colin Gordon having stepped aside, and a, a consortium of local businesses headed by Richard Lane taking over. Um, they kind of made a bit of a, um, a, a statement in signing Ashley Hemmings from Foyle over the weekend as well. I think that was announced on the Sunday. Um, he'd been on loan at Altrincham, so obviously that was a, a loss for them, being recalled for loan and then and then joining a, 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 another club in National League North. Kicked off a little bit late because we had some traffic issues, Farsley were a little bit late arriving, um, and they... they, they it, they didn't really sort of like get going on the evening I don't think they had an awful lot of the possession um, and they had an awful lot of territory but they didn't do an awful lot with it and Kidderminster won 2-0 Corey Davidson penalty in the first half and somewhat controversial refereeing decision in that one as well as as you'll hear from my interview with uh, assistant manager Russ Penn in a moment and then they sealed it late on with a goal from substitute Ed Williams Yeah and Dickie caught up with the Kidderminster assistant manager Russ Penn after the game I'm at Agra this evening and it's a 2-0 win for Kidderminster Harriers against Farsi Celtic and I have a very pleased assistant manager Russell Payne with me. Um, Russell, what were your thoughts on that performance this evening? Um, I think that just showed uh, what we can be. We've had three and a half weeks of frustration of not playing um, and coming off the back of a, a last minute defeat to Spennymore three and a half weeks ago. So we've, uh, we've trained hard and that's all we can hope for there. Um, 100% commitment and I'd say, you know, I wouldn't say a comfortable 2-0 win, but it was, it was a convincing 2-0 win. How difficult has it been, that, that three and a half week break? Because that's a long time, you're out of your routine, you know, you get to Saturday and there's no game. How difficult yeah. is that? All you've got to do, you know, full credit to all the staff, you've got to, you've got to prepare right and, and you've got to keep the workload in the lads. We're a full-time status team, so um, you've got to get the, the work into the legs, but without overpowering them, so they're injured. Um, we haven't been blessed with, with a, fit, a fully fit squad yet, so um, it's been tough, but the toughest part of it is, is after, after you've lost, you just want a game around the corner, and we haven't had that for three and a half weeks, so... You've got to keep the lad's spirits up, and I think it's paid off tonight. Any thoughts on that? Obviously, it was a penalty decision in the first half, which I think was um, probably contested very much by Farsley. But we had your thoughts on that one? Well, look, you, you get some and you don't. Um, what I will say, from from a ref's point of view, is that the kids he took a chance to take him on, and then he's and then he's overstretched. And sometimes, with the momentum of a forward coming one way and the defender going the other way, it always looks a penalty. When you look back, you might think, oh, he might have had a touch. So. You just don't put yourself in them positions in the first place. Now, you had Ashley Hemmings making a debut tonight. Yeah. How did you feel he did? I think he's everything that, that we wanted to and, and everything that we knew we signed. Um, energetic, creative on ball. I think when he got on the ball, you could hear the, the, the seats clap back because he's just that bit of excitement. Um, and he's just another body that um, I've added to a, a decent squad. And I think tonight you can see um, the squad's just getting slightly a little bit stronger. 
Um, you know, we're probably looking to bring another couple of bodies in over the next couple of months and and really strengthen what we've already got. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the. You know, is, is he likely to be the first in a few new phases? I hope so, but if not, then we've got what we got. You know, the owners, the new owners have backed up everything they've said so far and full credit to them so um, we'll see you've met them and obviously spoken to them and spoken to you about plans yeah they've been in the building a couple of weeks before the announcement so we know them we had a couple of meetings all really positive um, and what they've said so far is true so um, fair play to them um, and hopefully we can go on a journey together and obviously just a note on obviously Colin Gordon I know yeah. he's staying on a consultancy role I think but stepping away somewhat from the active side of the football club sorry to see him step down uh, I am, yeah. Colin's a good friend of mine and you know, I'm, I'm disappointed when, when, when people leave but at the end of the day, whatever he's done, he's done for his own benefit. I wish him all the best in the future. Listen, I, I see Colin up two, three times a week so our relationship's not going to change. Um, but he did, he did a hell of a lot for this football club, a lot more than people think. So um, he goes with our blessing. Obviously, you know, we, we spoke about this three and a half week break. It was a tough mm. game to first come back into action tonight against Farsley. Yeah. You've got a similarly tough one on Saturday, haven't you, with Kingsland? They're all tough, mate. Every single team in the league's tough. They all come with their own different um, attributes. And, and Farsley have come on the back of six league victories, I think, what I heard. So they're no mugs, mate. And they've come into this league this season full of confidence and they've hit the board running. So um, it's a good result for us, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose just to close on, on we touched on. You know, you're obviously on the management side of things now. Yep. You're still registered to play. I am, but I don't think I'm going to get rebooted anymore, mate. I played a five-a-side a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't walk for a week. So, um, I think a lot of people have said, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you playing still? But I think I know in my own mind that it's, it's time. Um, I had the opportunity to take this role on in the summer, and I've just hit it full on. Um, Listen, after results like that, you're grateful. Sometimes when you lose, you think, oh, could I do something out there? But that's part and parcel, mate. But um, no, I don't think I'll be putting my boots on. And you're enjoying working under John? Oh, yeah, fantastic uh, learning curve for me, really. Great experience being being chucked in under a manager like uh, John Pemberton. So, um, listen, he's, he's tough. He's a tough taskmaster, and I think that's just what I need. That was Ross Penn, and... Um he seems very... I liked his outlook, kind of, because when players retire, they, they kind of a bit reluctantly retire, but he's kind of gone that way of like, well, I know my legs have gone and uh, I'm throwing myself into a new challenge and now does that, there's almost a new lease of life at Kidderminster now, isn't there? Could you, could you feel that, Dickie, at all? I, I, think, I think so, yeah. I certainly feel that's what you know, they'd be hoping for. Um, seems to be a bit more optimism around the place with the new ownership, obviously. I think Russ in the interview mentioned the fact that you know that the ownership had been in for a couple of weeks, had been speaking to them, obviously. The, the Ashley Hemmings signing was um, you know, a bit of a, a, a statement and they'll be think, looking to bring in another two or three as well. But I also like the fact that he said, well, look, if we can't get those two or three, in, you know, we'll we all go with what we've got. You know, that that's the situation we're in. You know, he's um, very realistic. Yeah, yeah. I think Kidderminster, it's a weight lifted off from there. Not not to say that you know they're not ungrateful for what Colin Gordon has done for the football club, but I think some fresh energy, some fresh impetus. You know, some local businessmen who've got some ideas for the club. Um, We'll wait and see what happens. Talking of weights lifted, Dick, I think you need to lift some weights after that pie that you had at Kidderminster. That looked delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have you have to have one if you go to Kidderminster. It's 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 almost the rule. I mean, and um, yeah, as soon as I suggested the possibility of a Tuesday night um, trip to Kidderminster, that was um, definitely something that was on the agenda. <laughs> on the menu, literally. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> looking ahead, looking back now at the fixtures on Saturday, another top of the table clash, wasn't it? Chester against York. It was the uh, the highest scorers in the division in Chester against the team who conceded the least goals, and it was a team who conceded the least goals. It came out on top, and that was a a massive win for York because it gives them a cushion now over Chester. Yes, it does. Um... Yeah, first against second, another first against second clash in the National League this weekend and um, I think it was the biggest crowd in the National League North so far this season packed into the Diva to see over 3,500 but they didn't see what they came for I think the majority of them would have been Chester fans but it was York that got the win uh, Dan Maguire's second half goal, enough to get all the points um, he's arrived in the summer from uh, Blythe Spartans, Dan Maguire but hasn't played very much, I think there was um, Steve Watson in his post-match interview alluded to the fact that he'd had an injury and um, but, but said that obviously the goal was what they'd signed him for but the other end, what didn't help Chester was they had their top scorer Quasi Asante missing through injury as well um, and yeah, that it's seen York take a five-point lead at the top now. They play their game in hand on Tuesday night against Boston, so they've got a possibility of extending that lead to eight. And, yeah, an unbeaten run in the league now that stretches to 14, 17 in all competitions. They're into the first round of the FA Cup with a, a nice home tie against Altrincham. It's, it's looking really good for York at the moment. And Steve Watson said he was delighted with it, said mainly the thing that he was thrilled about was their resilience yesterday. He said it was the, the hardest three points they'd earned this season because Chester are a good team. Great deal of satisfaction from that result, I would have thought. Chris, you saw York last weekend, and do you think... Um they're almost a team that, that thrive on the big games at the minute. It looks that way, and certainly the, the crowd get behind them. They've got a really vocal following there. Um, at home, they're, they're really difficult to, to play against. Obviously, this being away, they, they lived up to the, the big match atmosphere. They've got some real big match players. I keep mentioning them every week, but Alex Kempster is a fantastic player for York. He looks like a National League player. He's, uh, he's got the physicality, he's got the skill. Um, Dan Maguire scored a hat full of goals last season. You know, it's all over the pitch. They've got the experience of Steve McNulty at the back. And, um, you know, every time you see, you see Steve McNulty, and this is not being uh, disrespectful, you think, you know, he can't be a football player, but he's a fantastic football player. And he's, he marshals that defence, you know, fantastically well. And he's been there and done that. I think they're looking the real deal at the minute. When I saw them last week, I thought they are as good, if not better, than a lot of National League teams that I've seen this, this season. I know um, the Chester manager, Anthony Johnson, said afterwards, he said, you, you can see why you walk atop of the league. And said, to put it simply, he said, they just do the basics better than anybody else. Um, said, obviously, with, with Steve McNulty, he said, we tried to get him into, draw him out wide, get him into areas of the field. He, he, he doesn't like to be quite so much. He said, but, you know, you'll get the shape. Uh, kept their discipline and they've come away with a 1-0 win the other result out of the three was uh, Bradford Pakangi nil Southport 3 I know when we chat to Liam Watson on Tuesday I think he said he'd only ever got one point in his managerial career at Bradford but a really good comprehensive win for Southport there yeah it was it's been a good week hasn't it for Southport um, you know firmly in the in the playoff spots there you know, Bradford's a difficult place to go it's an unusual ground to go to with the, the athletics track and um well done for getting the game on. That's one thing that I did want to say as well. well. All them groundsmen out there who actually got a game on yesterday when the weather was atrocious need uh, need certainly need recognition. But in, in terms of Southport, yeah, 
you know, fantastic win for them, and by all accounts, it was never really in doubt either. I think Liam Watson alluded to that about the uh, the weather as well after the game. He said there might have been people were thinking this game wasn't going to be on today, um, and was really pleased with the, that his players arrived in the right frame of mind. That there was none of that. Oh well, you know, the game's going to be off. They weren't sort of relaxed. They were ready for it. They took that frame of mind into the game, and you know, a really solid three 0 win. Avenue of been added a bit more experience as well uh, this week. Kieran Keynes joined them from Leamington. Um, so they, they look a very different team to how they did when they first started the season under uh, their previous manager, Gary Thompson. They're still in 21st place. It's, it's two defeats in a row after that win in their first game for Mark Bauer. But as you know, as alluded to there, that it do feel that Mark Bauer will help to turn things around there. Um, it isn't the easiest of places to go, um, and it's so tight at the bottom of the table. I think Avenue have given themselves every chance of getting away from trouble now. And the only other result in the National League North on Saturday was Spennymoor 5, Gloucester 1. And like at Bromley, Spennymoor had five different scorers. And like I say, I love that. So there was ten different scorers across the two games. And, and it wasn't really the Glenn Taylor show yesterday, was it? No, it wasn't. You see Spennymoor 5 and imagine that Glenn Taylor might be good for maybe two or three of those. But um, no, just the one for him yesterday. Um it, it was a it was a rough day for Gloucester City. I mean, first of all, again, as Chris said about the groundsman getting the game on, we must mention the fact that Spennymoor have suffered an awful lot with postponements in recent seasons. They have taken criticism largely from other supporters for that, but um, as much as I don't think the weather was necessarily as bad in the northeast as it was elsewhere, the game went ahead, and I'll be really pleased that it did. I say a five-one win. And, and, a, and an awful day for Gloucester, really. They finished the game with eight men on the field. They had two dismissals. Janice and Myrie Williams went for two yellow cards in the first half, first for foul, and, and I think the descent towards the referee as a result of that foul. They were already 2-0 behind at that point. And then, uh, you have to excuse me on the pronunciation, I think it's Zat Kowitscher got sent off in the second half, straight red. Only 10 minutes or so remaining. They're already 4-1 down by that point. Vincent Harper got a, had got a goal back for Gloucester, but then he got a hit, head injury. He had to leave the field and Gloucester finished the game with eight. But yeah, five different scorers for Spennymoor. Shane Henry, Glenn Taylor, James Roberts, Jamie Chandler and Ryan Hall all on target. And um, yeah, Jason Ainsley, really pleased with the result, said, um, you know, felt they were comfortable before the, the first sending off happened. But what really pleased him was that his side really drove on in the second half you know they'd already got a 2-0 advantage 10 men they didn't sit back on that they really pushed their advantage home a good response for them after going out the FA Cup against Chorley last week we're going to look now at the National League South hi I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL full-time podcast and in the National League South there was no postponements at all yesterday which is uh, again credit to all the groundsmen and maybe the weather I was going to say the weather wasn't quite as bad, but in the southwestern Wales it looked horrendous. But they managed to get the games on, and and as we've got Ian on, uh, we're going to get the buntings out as well. It was your hundredth game in charge of Hungerford yesterday, and uh, unfortunately it was as damp as the weather, though. In the end, the result. Yeah, thank you, thank you, firstly, but um, yeah, it, it, the, the result was disappointing. So you put a bit of a dampener on on the on the hundred games. It was very tough conditions. The groundsman did do a wonderful job, Nigel Wiscom, to get to get the game on. Um, and um, and I think it was the winds really. I'm not bothered. The, the players aren't bothered about the wet. It's the winds more than anything, and the wind wasn't conducive to, to a good game of football. And we we started very well in the first ten minutes, but then Hampton done, done a job on us really, and um, we went at the races. To be fair. 
Yeah, it was a case of return of the X, wasn't it, yesterday? Somebody who was vital in you staying up last year was a Danilo Orsi de Domo, and he got the second goal after Charlie Washmore had put Hampton ahead. Yeah, they've, they've, um, he played very well. Yesterday, uh, I'm always things to happen in football. Doesn't ex players go back and score their ex clubs? But um, he's a wonderful lad, Danilo. I've got a lot of time time for him, but, but um, he's probably proving that I might have made a mistake letting him go so easy. But unfortunately, when your hands are tied to budgetary reasons and you're not blessed with with being able to have sort of larger uh, larger squad than than you can. Um, you have to make some tough decisions and are you going to get everyone right? No, you're not. And am I pleased he's doing well? Of course. Just not yesterday. <laughs> no, of course not. I, had a ch- I, I saw him beforehand. I was hoping he put his fifth boots on the, on the wrong feet, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. <laughs> um... It's really tight though down at the bottom because you won last weekend and kept a clean sheet. I know it was a result you were you were chuffed to bits with and it put you into 19th and that defeat put you back bottom and it's just so tight around there. I mean, St Albans, they got a massive win. Ian Allenson, we were talking about, he was struggling. They got a really good win at Welling. Tunbridge, they lost at Wealdstone and Oxford City after letting Mark Jones go during the week. Uh, they won 2-1 against Slough, so... Team, it's so tight down at that bottom there's about six or seven teams where one bad result and you're in the bottom two yeah it's tight all the way up the league it's essential you don't sort of get too down when things aren't going your way um, we've been in this position last year we've been in the same position the, the year before so we've got to draw on it our experiences it's another new group again that, that are learning they're young there's going to be inconsistencies there's going to be mistakes if we can sort of add one or two possibly over the coming months and, and stay on people's coattails um, come the turn of the year, then I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be absolutely fine. Um, but it is that mindset, it is keeping level-headed and, and when you do get the odd good result, not to get carried away and think you've cracked it and, and vice versa, not get too down when things don't go your way. We surprised to see uh, Mark Jones leave Oxford City uh, over the past week because he led them to the first round proper. I know the league form's not been great, but uh, it does seem a bit of a surprise, that one. Being honest, I was amazed. I messaged him on last Saturday evening um, to say well done because he always seems to get them in the first round of the FA Cup. And then um, Sunday morning, he's been relieved of his duties. Um, he's a very, very good manager. I've got a lot of time for Mark, and um, he's done an exceptional job at Oxford. Um, but for whatever reason, they, they sort of they don't want his services anymore. And, and whatever whatever club he goes to next, have got a top manager. Yeah, and another managerial departure was Lee Bradbury. He left Eastbourne Borough this week uh, with a club appealing for someone to plug a, fi- a £40,000 gap. Bradbury said he left with a heavy heart this week, but he hoped that uh, they could get an investor in. And tough times for them. I mean, they're only sort of four points clear of yourselves. So uh, there's a lot of teams down there with a, a few issues at the minute. Yeah, there is. I think you'll see more and more of it in football, being honest. Do I want more money to spend on, on players for my team? Yes, of course I do. But if that puts our club at risk, then then no way. I work I work within our mean, within the within the budgetary parameters that are set by the club to keep us sustainable. But um, there's far too many clubs out there that don't. And um, like I say, the, 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 the some some money flying around is is pretty obscene for the level of football we're at. And um, I think there's clubs getting put at risk, and, and which, which isn't which isn't right. It's not right for football. It's not right for the supporters of, the, of those football clubs. So um, hopefully they do get an investor and a, and, or a benefactor that, that, that can keep them alive. 
looking to the, the top end of the table now, Wheelstone, they're just ploughing on, aren't they? And we mentioned it last week and uh, they just seem unstoppable at the minute. I know they, uh, they got knocked out of the FA Cup midweek. They'll have been, been disappointed not to have beaten Maidenhead at home in the replay despite Maidenhead being at a division above. But in the league-wise, they're almost unstoppable, aren't they? They won again, as I say, 3-1 against Tombridge on Saturday. Yeah, we've been there. It's a tough place to go. It's always been a tough place to go in Wheelstone. And they've got uh, Jerome McKeever and, and Connor Stevens, I think it is, at the heart of that defence. Uh, were there last year and they formed a great partnership. Uh, Dean Brennan's doing a wonderful job and he's added some important players. And uh, Ross, Ross Lafayette, not only a handful, he's an exceptional football player. Um, so, so yeah, they're, they're doing a wonderful job and, and winning becomes a habit and it's a very good habit to have. And the, the best team we've come up against in a one-off game has been having a Waterlooville. But, uh, so I thought they'd be closer to them at this stage. But, um, but yeah, Wheelstone just seem to be keep ploughing on and the support they've got at their ground um, when they're doing well is fantastic. So I can see them staying there now. Yeah, the 10 points clear of having Waterlooville who are in third position. They got a win against Concord Rangers on Saturday and we mentioned about Eastbourne Borough they got a good draw at Hemel Hempstead who are up in second position and is that a bit of a surprise to you Ian how well Hemel Hempstead are doing this year? Not really we played them first game of the season and um, got beat 4-1 Sammy Moore Sammy Moore did a very good job and him and Jack Midson were at Concord last year and obviously couldn't compete in the playoffs so, so they've taken a lot of players with them to, to Hemel um, there's some very good players that were already yet there as well. Their recruitment's been good. Um, they've got experience right through the squad. Um, so, no, it's, it's not too much of a surprise, to be totally honest. Again, it's another tough place to go. They've got a good, a good support base and um, they've got a good chairman that's been there a long time. That's obviously backing the two managers. So, it, it's not a surprise and it? it wouldn't surprise me to see them going up. Weymouth continue there. Good run of form as well. Mark Mosley's Weymouth. They won 3-0 against Braintree. Another newly promoted team who are, who are doing really well uh, this season, aren't they? There was two goals for Jake McCarthy there yesterday and uh, a, th- a third goal scored by Ben Thompson. And, and Weymouth, you look really strong, especially at home. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a big non-league football club, aren't they? And they've had their problems as well. But um, as a young star, I used to love going there and playing when I played for Chippenham and Salisbury. Um, so they're, they're back on the rise again now. He's doing a wonderful job down there, Mark. Um, he's got a lot of connections with, with Bournemouth. I think he works for them as well. Um, so and, and they try to pass the ball in the right way as well. So, um, so yeah, at home they've got a big following and um, they're, they're on the crest of the wave sort of after coming up last season as well. And, and they'll be delighted with their start. And I'm sure they'll be looking to, get to be in the playoffs come the end of the season. Yeah, one team he did scrape into the playoff picture yesterday was Bath. They took on Dorking, who were a place above them, and they won by a goal to nil. And that's a, that's quite a big win, that, for Bath against the Dorking side who've been going well this year. Yeah, we played Dorking two weeks ago. They set up 3-5-2, and um, they're very good on the day. They, they nullified us, and I don't think we either keeper made a save that day. Um, Bath is a tough place to go, very tough place to go. Jerry Gunn's doing a wonderful job down there. He's a good manager, and again, another team that, that tried to pass the ball through the thirds. And um, I'm sure he'll be delighted with that result, and um, that they'll be looking to sort of cement themselves in the playoff picture. Yeah, Adam Mann with the goal there, proving that he is the man at the minute. And uh, Slough, they. As we said, they were in the playoff picture. They had a disappointing result, though, losing 2-1 at Oxford City. Um, 
the, the other standout game for me was Maidstone against Billericay. I know Billericay have had a few issues over the last few weeks, Ian, but uh, they had an outstanding win in the FA Cup during the week. 5-2 over Sutton. Um, Jake Robinson bagging a hat-trick there. And despite going ahead th- through a goal through Doug Loft, uh, they lost. All the goals were scored in the first half. A goal from... Ibi Akambi and also Justine Amalazo, which proved to be the winner in the end and uh, that would have been a really interesting fixture to go to Yeah obviously uh, Jamie Ahar has been appointed as manager we know about his playing career um, so there's, there's been a lot of problems at Billericay that have publicly played out but um, he's looking to do things slightly different and there's been a lot of departures and there's some younger loan players coming in I'm sure that's, that's a, with a view to sort of lowering the budget etc but um, he's looking to do things his way, and I'm sure I'm sure he'll do a good job down there. But um, Maidstone are a good side; they've got a good management team, and, and the three G pitch is, is something that I think will help them. And yeah, like I say, the, the, the management team know what they're doing at this level, and, and I'm sure they'll be up up there come the end of the season. Yeah, the final game uh, that we're going to look at in the National League South finish. Dartford won, Chippenham won. Kieran Parcell put Chippenham ahead there before being sent off on the 83 minutes. And four minutes later, uh, a goal there from Josh Hill rescued a point for Dartford, who've had Steve King appointed there. And although the results haven't quite been coming yet, you imagine Steve King are going to get the, going to get Dartford up the table very quickly. Yeah, you would have thought so. He's done a wonderful job at Welling last season, getting them in the playoffs. Uh, he's obviously very experienced at this level and has a proven track record of getting teams up. So, um, so yeah, it, 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 it was a good point for them yesterday. Um, it'll take a little bit of time to get his ideas around, maybe perhaps get a few players in as well, but I'm sure they'll start rising up the table as well. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ian. I know you were walking the dog earlier. Now you're off pumpkin picking, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> The life of a football manager, eh? Out of out of football, this is what they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a big Nice one. Uh, cheers, Ian. Thanks for that. Cheers, Luke. Take care. Cheers, and uh, thanks again, Dicky. You're very welcome, Luke. Nice to speak to you as always. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers guys. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Take care. Cheers. And that is it. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, and also follow us on Twitter at an L full time. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all very soon.